All right, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tunana Podcast. We are the Southern Hemisphere's best only and original Newcastle United dedicated podcast. And tonight, I've got Mark joining me as we do a preview of the up-and-coming Everton game at Goodison Park this Friday morning for us. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing really well, apart from choking myself just on the intro there. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, I think uh, haven't still haven't come down from the Spurs game yet, so it's 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 hard. Uh, it's hard pacing myself, but uh, luckily the games are coming thick and fast right now. And um, the the long wait we had to put things right uh, after the Villa debacle um, is now at least sort of, uh, we've got another one coming straight up so we, we can get back into football while we're all still a little bit excited. Yeah, the uh, the the excitement from that uh, Spurs victory just hasn't died down at all. The club's putting endless content on their social media, everyone sharing their own videos when they're at the game live and everything like that. And it was just the perfect storm of how the game went. I know this is going to be uh, a preview of the Everton game, but we, we have to touch on this a little bit. What was your overall summary of that game, Mark? Mental, absolutely bonkers. Uh, it's just... You kind of got to the end of that game and it didn't seem real. It was kind of like you sort of thinking, hang on, hang on. I'm not even sure if I'm like celebrating properly anymore Like when the sixth mm-hmm. goal went in. It was like, well, yeah, we just got another one. It was like, what the hell? Um, it kind of you like really fizzled out at the end, didn't it? It fizzled out. It was like no more goals yeah. in the second half and then we score one. It's just like, oh yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I just just couldn't believe it. Um, I mean, it's, it's the sort of thing that just doesn't happen to us. Uh, I mean, we, yeah. I remember Remember the the one that uh, was Bobby Robson's first game in charge when we were bottom of the table uh, and mm-hmm. uh, Sheffield Sheffield Wednesday. Wednesday wasn't it Yeah, um, and we won that eight nil. Shearer got five, but that was kind of bottom of the table clashes, and we we got taken over by an absolute top draw manager who got the best out of us, got a reaction, got Shearer playing yeah. well again. Um, this was just different level. I mean, it was to do that against a team that. In the build-up, we were all absolutely crapping ourselves about because you know we 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 were we were hyping this game up. Let's be fair, yeah. as this make or break for our season. It was going to tell us how the players reacted after the Everton result, uh, after the Villa result, uh, and then. Eddie Howe comes out in his press conference and starts going, yeah, it would be rude, rude not to start talking of Champions League. And yes, this is probably the biggest game of the club. It's like, oh, cheers, Eddie. It's like really needed that. Um, so yeah, just to have that result come out, uh, the way it happened against a club that is was supposedly uh, vying for a Champions League spot with us, um, yeah, just, just kind of just struggle for words with it it's just magic I've, i can't remember how many times i've watched the replay of all the goals and the, the um yeah it was just that first 21 minutes was just nothing but euphoric as far as i'm concerned uh yeah. lisa had to came out and my wife had to come out in there check on us uh whatever time it was i think it was like around about would have been quarter past 11 give or take is uh the third and fourth goal went in there thereabouts and she was like are you okay I'm like, we're five nil up and we're only 20 minutes in. And she was like, what do you mean? We're five nil up and we're only 20 minutes in. I thought something was wrong. Oh, that's how excited I was. I mean, I wasn't dimly level of excitement when we shared around my head and whatever. No. But no. Uh, yeah, that was something else. But that game was epic and it just raised our platform uh, onto another level and just give the club the exposure it so badly needs to uh, get a little oh. bit of extra revenue. Because the amount of eyes on that game would have been fantastic. Exactly, yeah. So from an exposure point of view, I think 
that's that's done us the world of good. Um, I think from sponsors and overseas TV and everything, it's it's the big tick of approval we probably needed uh, in in one of those those top games. Uh, but look, I mean. I know we've been on our group chat and we've been sort of slating some of the media and the Optus commentary here in Australia was was just so dismally kind of upset that we'd done that to Spurs. They they were clearly gutted. They wanted Spurs to win by by no shred of uh, of, of kind of trying to hide it. Uh, and but it's it's kind of like yes, Spurs were shit, but. Like, let's not take that away from the fact that we were absolutely magnificent. Like, this, mm. you could run out of superlatives trying to talk about how good our players were. And yeah, okay, look, the the Spurs defense maybe wasn't at the the races, and, but we we exploited the gaps. We exploited them not being organized. And and the big thing for me is like everything we did just came off. And and we've been saying this for for months and months now, where we've got these games where we, we come out of them thinking, oh, you know what, we could have put like two or three more on there and, you know, all the XG wanker T-shirts coming out and saying, yeah, well, we're going we're gonna, to gonna hammer a team at some point this season. And I don't think any of us thought it was going to be Spurs. Um, yeah. But, you know, every single thing that we did, I mean, when Murphy's taking on like a 40-yard shot and just like places it into the top corner, it's just like the keeper doesn't even move. Uh, it, it's... Mm-hmm those things where you know this is this is just i'm going to soak this in and enjoy every second of this because this stuff does not happen very often uh, it was genuinely the perfect storm and it was fantastic loving every minute of it um but we'll move on from that and we'll now get on to uh, the Everton preview but again just before we do you notice both me and mark have gotten you twitter handles <laughs> if you are uh returning viewer of the podcast and follow us on their socials reason being is some reason three of the four uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, three of the seven members of the pod had our account suspended on Twitter for whatever reason that may be. Uh, but we have got new Twitter handles. You can see them on screen now. If you are listening and on the audio side of it, my new Twitter handle is at tunelad85, and Mark's is Scotty Talks Tune. So give us a follow. Scotty with a Y because I, I ran out of letters. <laughs> There you go. Uh, but yeah, give us a follow and we will follow you back. And if you don't already, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a five-star comment in the audios if you can as well. Leave your comments down below. We love interacting with our fans and you can see the interaction we had with everybody over the Spurs win. It was absolutely glorious. And now we will dive in to this Everton review. So, game kicks off for us, Mark, uh, at, what is it? 4.45 this uh, Friday morning. So it's a 7.45 p.m. kickoff in the UK. Live on Bitly Sports, live on Optus Sports here in Australia. I'm a little bit apprehensive about this game. I've made it quite vocal in uh, the chat that we've got, our little private chat. And I think it may be based on how the game went down last season and a few little pre-match nerves are starting to kick in. But I kind of had the same with Spurs when we know how that went. What's your initial impression of how this game could go and do you have any pre-match nerves regarding it i think it comes down to for me to how we react after that result it's like this is going to be as much of a test of player character to get themselves back up for this game as much as the spurs game was after the the villa loss um to have such such a an atmosphere at home to go away from home and not have that i mean we we all know that the away fans are going to be absolutely fantastic they always are 
but it's still an away game. It's pretty quick after the the Spurs game. Um, you know, the games are coming thick and fast at the moment, thanks mm-hmm. to the World Cup. But yeah, I've got I've definitely got nerves. I've definitely got nerves because you don't know how the players are gonna pull up after that game, um, physically or mentally. I mean, Bruno was limping a bit in that game as well. Uh but realistically, Everton are shit. And if to me, Everton are what Spurs are without Harry Kane. They're 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 unorganized, they're not scoring goals, they've got a crap defense. Um, they had a decent defense under Lampard, I have to say, um, but just weren't scoring goals. They're starting to kind of ship a few more goals, but don't seem to be scoring anymore. Um, they they definitely have some problems. I'm hoping that we've just got enough quality. We've got players who are bang on form at the moment. The confidence is high. Um, so we should win. But as you said, it's like there's, there's a few nerves just as to the unknown factors, I think, more than anything and and how we how we deal with those. Yeah, and it was based off uh, the game last year at Goodison Park, which was around about a similar time frame, if I remember. Um, we lost 1-0, I think it was a goal in the 96th minute. There was a stupid amount of added on time because of that bloke who uh, Cable tied himself to the goalpost, <laughs> uh, which just totally derailed our momentum. And I think that's yeah. the reason what cost us the game. But from where we and Everton were at that stage last season, compared to where both teams are now, it's literally black and white, isn't it, Mark? Oh, for sure. I mean, we're we're on an upward tra- trajectory. Um, I think we were we were riding a high at that point last season, where you know we were starting to kind of try and and you know create some form. But you know, this season we've carried that on. We've 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 played well, and and I don't care what people are saying. You know, you read on social media, people are people are claiming, oh, it's it's all about the money. It's like, oh, Eddie Howe's done a done a decent job, but they wouldn't be where they are without spending loads. And it's like, well, yeah, so is every other club up there. Spurs have spent more than us and they're shit. So like let's let's give us a little bit of credit that we aren't just punching above our weight anymore. We we deserve to be where we are. Um and Everton deserve to be where they are. And you know, they're in serious trouble. And it's not just the fact that they're they're in, in relegation problems. Um, I mean, they've got financial fair play stuff hanging over their head as well, which mm-hmm. probably can't be sitting easy. Um, the the fact that they've they've lost a manager already this season, they, they there's definitely some issues behind the scenes in terms of how they're gonna go forward, um, what to, what type of plans they've got to go forward, I guess, if anything. Yeah. Um, they've got this this new stadium um that that's getting getting built and who knows how they're gonna pay for that either. Uh, and, and you kind of think it's like there's so as I said, there's so many parallels to Spurs in terms of that they've spent big money on bad players and bad coaches and they don't seem to have a long-term plan which i think is the biggest the biggest plus point for me about our owners is that yes they're trying to fix the here and now but we're trying to build a long-term sustainable future for the club by putting the academy in right and trying to develop younger players through as well and Everton's just got none of that and they they're literally on a, on a slide and it's hard to kind of see where that goes next season even if they do manage to scrape uh, scrape staying up yeah like they they if anything they may have went backwards rather than being stagnant we went to another level and then some and it's all down like you said to the backroom staff to eddie and his team the players all run in the same direction and 
I for one am so glad we went on the trajectory we have because it could have been so easy to do the same thing as what Everton have done and we could be doing the same thing as where we were last season, fighting it out for points to avoid relegation. Whereas at the moment, we're sat in third, they're sat third bottom. And to me, that just put a massive smile on my face, purely on the fact that, again, it could have went all drastically wrong and we could be, I don't know, Southampton at this stage. Who knows? Um, do, you not, yeah. do you not feel um, that if you look at the likes of... Everton and how they've handled it and probably Sunderland to a certain extent when they got their new new owner came in with all these big singing and dancing plans and um do you not feel it's like they, these are these are kind of successful businessmen in their own right they come into these clubs not really ever knowing being second best and they think it's going to be all right we're going to throw some money at this and then it doesn't go right and then they've kind of run out of money to throw at it and mm -hmm. everything goes a bit tits up i think there's there's you know i mean there's there's definitely some parallels to to how sunland went on where their owner spent a fortune bought a load of crap um, well roy Keane bought a load of crap for them uh and then you know he, he decided well this isn't going anywhere this is not what i wanted um I've, I'm kind of like pulling the plug and I can see Everton going down the same route with, with their owners. They've spent a fortune. They've clearly dodged financial fair play from, from what we're seeing in the papers. Mm -hmm. And um, they're, they, you know, they've tried to write off as much as they can to COVID losses, but even that was dodgy as, um, really but was. yeah, I think if, if they go down, obviously there's going to be some major issues financially for them. Uh, but even if they stay up, I, I mean, are the owners going to continue paying for stuff are they going to invest in the club even more i mean are they going to be allowed to buy anyone without selling loads of players so yeah it's going to be going to be interesting to see yeah it, it really will and this game on friday morning for us i, I do think we, we're going to see again those two parallels coming into, into effect we're going to be obviously bang on form we've only lost one game in six i think it was uh obviously that was the uh away defeat of villa uh, Everton, they haven't won a game since March the 11th. That was at home at Brentford uh, with a 1-0 win there. Now, in terms of uh, lineups, which we're just going to get going to get to now, and I'll bring the Everton lineup first, uh, them being the home team. Now, I've got this lineup from Twitter, uh, just literally scrolling through and found some bloke who put on his um, desired starting 11. So this is it right here. Uh, just get rid of this ticker. Uh, I'll just run through with that there. So we've got T-Rex in goal. Uh, now, this back four, this may change. Um, Godfrey, uh, Tarkowski, Keane and Coleman. Now, Coleman might be the one that changes because he currently has a hamstring injury now, so he will go through a late fitness test. And then it looks as though they're going to go potentially with a, a packed-out midfield with a modified five-man midfield. So we've got McNeil on the left. Onana, again, he's another late fitness test. So he may be swapped out for a, another player, depending on how that goes. Guy, I think that's how it's pronounced. Decorah, who's now back from suspension. And I will be with Calvert-Lewin up top. That 11 there, does that strike fear in you at all, Mark? Anybody there which you think could do, an, do any harm to us? Uh, look, Calvert-Lewin, Calvert um, I think, He's always dangerous. I think he is capable of a very good game um, if he doesn't like snap in half before he gets to that. Uh, I mean, his injury record's absolutely abysmal, it has to be said. But look, I think Coleman, if they miss him, I think he'll be a big miss for them. I think he is a good player for them. Um, Tarkovsky was, was a weird one because we were supposedly after him. He's gone there because they paid more money. 
Um, and like they did with a lot of the players that they ended up getting over us um, last season, uh, they've, they've kind of like overpaid to secure the players. We've dodged a bullet because they're obviously mercenary players who don't really give a crap and they're not quite as good as maybe they think they are. Uh, and I think Tarkovsky's like been this really weird one where you know he was borderline getting into the England squad and then he's made the move to Everton and he's been a, he's been woeful this season for them. Um, but I don't know if they've got anything else. Obviously, look, it's a, it's an away game, so um, T-Rex is probably not going to have his, his usual hissy fit against us um, like he would have if he was at St. James's and the crowd's on his back for the entire time and inflatable um, dinosaurs are running around the stadium like they did last time, which was hilarious. Uh, yeah. But look, I mean... There's there's no one in that side that like you're literally going well they're they're it's it's not like what we had with the Spurs game where you go look Kane's always going to score you know you give him a, give yeah. him half a chance he's going to score there's no one like that I mean as I said Dominic Calvert Lewin's probably the closest to that where he might pose a danger but if they go into that with like a five man midfield trying to stifle us you can see them dropping pretty deep pretty quickly um which again isn't isn't our strong suit um and that's that's probably my only worry is that if they start um with their you know the the famous low block i think that could that could potentially be the only thing that i'm a bit worried about the one thing that I'm actually looking forward to is if Corman does start, is Corman will effectively be up against uh, Joe Linton. Now, Joe Linton is playing like a man possessed right now. And yeah. Corman, I think he's eligible for a free bus pass now. Uh, I think he's at that, that age. So that should be an interesting lineup there. Uh, however, again, with this lineup again, which I stole from Twitter, they've got uh, Iwobi uh, as potential cover. I think he's their paciest player and he's got that upper body strength as well so bringing him on to where that our uh, what would effectively be our left hand side to give protection for Coleman like I say he's not the quickest he never has been and his legs are pretty much gone now so that could be a potential interesting one there Joe Linton up against uh, Iwobi and on the other side it's uh, probably more Iwobi against Dan Byrne um for the pace element that I think I'd probably be more concerned about um fair point now yeah, yeah, that's a that is an interesting one. Um, yeah, I will be has got some legs, and he did score the winner uh, last season as well in the same fixture. On the other side of defence, the left back Godfrey. Now I don't know if you watched the uh, Man United Everton game a few weeks ago at Old Trafford. Basically, no. Godfrey was subbed at half time because Anthony, who we know you couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo uh, from two paces out. He literally had him on toast that game. He was absolutely awful. It was just literally throwing long balls over the top and his pace was beating him everywhere. And he spent most of the game on his arse, subbed at halftime, and that kind of uh, helped Everton's cause in terms of defensive stability. So that could be a weakness on their other side as well, uh, their left and right side of defence. But again, right, if they pack up midfield, that is where I think the game is going to be won and lost. We've genuinely got the quality in Bruno. Sean Longstaff is, again, like a man on fire right now. He's having a cracking season. And Willock, if he can put another super ball in like he did it for uh, Isak's goal, then, you know, that's going to be uh, another one for the history books. And Jack will be walking around with a permanent erection for the rest of his life, I think. <laughs> uh, that was Jack's favourite assist of all time, that one, by the way. And yeah, yeah Carver Lewin, he's got five goals and one assist in 11 games against us. So I wouldn't exactly call it prolific, but he's better than most. Uh, I think it's probably only Harry Kane who's got a better goals to game against us in the league right now. 
Um, but yeah, T-Rex and goal. He always likes a good game against us. And he will get stick from the away fans for obvious reasons. There will no doubt be inflatable dinosaurs there, but the stewards will confiscate them as soon as they are uh, seen, I'd imagine. But we'll yeah. get on to the Newcastle lineup now. So this one is just literally a carbon copy of the team that absolutely annihilated Spurs. On paper, going head-to-head 11 against 11, we should absolutely annihilate them with the quality on uh, the paper. You think, Amok? Oh, for sure. Uh, I think it's worth pointing out at this point as well how much that this side, if you looked at this, like the players that are in there, and, and I know a lot's been made of this, like two years ago, if you'd seen that side and you had kind of like Shah and and like, you know, Longstaff and Murphy and um, Joe Linton, you know, you'd, you'd be sitting there going like, oh, it's going to be tough. It's like, we're going to struggle against Everton. The way everyone's playing right now, um, that should should be a walk in the park. And I just hope that the players are switched on enough um, to to work hard off the ball and on the ball like they did against Spurs to make that result. Um, and they don't think, well, this should be easier because it's only Everton and it's not Spurs. Um, that's the only concern. Look, if, if Everton do, do start sitting deep, uh, one thing that I do that does frustrate me is our lack of threat from set pieces. Um, I, I can't remember the last time we've scored from a corner. Uh, we don't seem to be very good at taking a shot from outside the box either like very often. Um, hopefully Murphy feels he can grab another one if he gets the space um, or, or Shah makes one of his trademark runs up the pitch and, and, and dials one into the top corner again. Uh, but look, realistically, we should have enough quality the way we're playing. Um, and it's not it's not being arrogant to say that. I think the way we are playing, everyone's on fire. Joe Linton's a man possessed. Uh, Bruno's probably been our quietest player and he's still pulling the strings in midfield. Yeah. Um, and, and that's got to be scary for pretty much any side we come up against at the moment. Absolutely. And with Bruno and Trippier getting a, a well-earned rest, I think it was on about the hour mark against uh, the Spurs yeah. game. They should be a little bit fresher than a few of the legs on there. One potential injury concern, and I haven't seen an update on this, so hopefully uh, you can fill me in on this one, Mark. Uh, Fabian Shaw went off with what looked like maybe hamstring pull. Have you heard any update on that at all? I haven't actually heard anything about that. Uh, I know Bruno's been playing through an ankle injury the last few games, um, and he did look like he was limping, but he doesn't seem to ever want to come off. So, you know, hopefully he's had another another couple of days to, to rest up on that. Shah didn't seem like he wanted to come off at first, and then he did, and that turned out that it was Lascelles not really being ready to come on or something weird like that. Um, look, Fabian Shah has been such an instrumental part of that back four. Uh, it'll be, well, back five, you would say, with Pope in there as a sweeper keeper. Yeah. I, I, I think we'll miss him. Um, I, I really do. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been all quiet on the Western Front in terms of uh, of updates about that. So yeah, let's keep an eye on it. So if uh, Dimmy's best mate Lascelles does start, would that give you any concern? Are you happy with how Lascelles has played when he has came on, albeit in very small, short parts? He, he's not. He's never going to be the same player as Fabian Char. Uh, he's ne he's never going to be a ball playing centre half. Let's be honest. So we lose that threat. And when you when you look at the ball that Char put through for Joe Linton's goal uh, against Spurs, I mean, and and that's the second time he's done that now. So it's, yeah. it's not a fluke. 
you know, you you take that out of that squad, you're not you're never getting anything even remotely like that from Lascelles. It's like you just want him to kind of just. But all he needs to do is just do the basics. He needs mm-hmm. to just get in there, like put himself in the line of the ball, defend well, put it out for a throw in if he needs to. You know, head the ball clear from set pieces. That's all you need from him. He doesn't need to be anything that he's not, um, and he can do that. I mean, he's not going to be comfortable on the ball, but don't let him have to do that. It's the same as what we said the other week when Nick Pope's having a few few little uh, wobbles when the ball's being ki- uh, kicked back to him. It's like, well, stop giving the ball to him then and give him a break. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. don't don't kick the ball to to Lascelles when he needs to be skillful on the ball. Um, just make sure you you kind of ask him to be like a very traditional centre half, uh, and then the rest of the team. That's where your creativity and everything is going to come from. If Lascelles does start, do you reckon he's going to get a, a fair bit of protection from Longstaff, who may just play a few yards in front of him, uh, just to make sure he's not maybe a little bit rusty uh, with having a lack of game time and drop back into effectively a central defensive role? I'm, I'm not even sure that Eddie Howe will be thinking that way. I think he will expect that Lascelles is fit enough to play. I think he'll expect him to be well-drilled enough from, from the training ground. Um, I don't think he'll start trying to kind of cover um, his centre-halves by changing what Longstaff's been doing for us. I mean, Longstaff does that anyway to a certain extent. So it's not, I don't think we have to change anything up in there. I think he will. Him and Bruno give the defence plenty of cover as it is. Yeah. Nah, fair enough. Uh, we'll go with that one. Uh, so I'm just going to drop them off the screen there. So we're going to move to uh, the, the league table now. Now, I am going to show some pornography on the screen with this league table. League, league table. League table. So brace yourselves, everybody that is uh, watching right here. This is, again, pure filth. As Newcastle United are sat in third place. Tell me that gets you excited, Mark. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That you, you cannot you cannot look at that and not get excited. Uh, I mean, I know I know we've got like an extra game over Man United, but still, it's like that gap to Spurs, the gap to Villa, the gap to Liverpool. Um, I mean, Brighton's probably the one that I'd be most concerned about in amongst that. Liverpool's got a pretty easy run of fixtures coming up, so they they're yeah. not out of it yet. But but that goal difference, that points total, yeah, just you just gotta you gotta be excited about that. And even though we shipped three goals against Villa, still sitting there with the best goal, uh, best defense record in the league. Yeah, by some margin as well, still yeah, as well, which yeah. is pretty decent. And looking at our uh, opposition for uh, this game again, Everton sat down in 18th place. They are in the relegation zone, 28 points, just on goal difference. However. But there is a game uh, in the early hours of the, uh, this morning which uh, does pose potential threat for them. Leeds play Leicester. That is a, a huge game in the significance of the relegation dogfight. Now, if Leeds were to win that, they would then push four points clear of the relegation zone, literally creating a bit of daylight between... Uh, the bottom four, effectively, let's say, because, again, Leicester are far from out of it because, again, they're only just out on goal difference. Now, in terms of that bottom three, I'd probably say Southampton are all but gone. Um, We may put one of the nails in the coffin next week when we play them at St. James's Park. Forest, they're in with a shout. Again, they're only a a point away. Uh, But 
you probably say if Leeds get this win, they might be okay. Leicester, touch and go. They've got some tough fixtures. But of those bottom five teams, who's your three to go down? Oh, the, the Leeds-Leicester game is going to be really intriguing, actually. And, and I don't really, as much as I think we're all kind of partially wanting Everton to go down just to see what will happen, if nothing else. Um, but, yeah, look, I don't want Leeds to get any momentum or any kind of confidence up when we got to play them still. Um, I want to win the next game that we have a meetup for. So that's the next early mm-hmm. kickoff. And uh, so I want to, want to break our duck with that one. So, yeah, keep keep them down. But... I I suspect that the bottom three as they stand, uh, Southampton, Forest, and Everton, will be the three to go down. Now I'm surprised you picked Everton to go down because as far as I as as far as I remember, everybody wants Everton to stay in this league, don't they? <laughs> uh, the media, everyone does. Yeah, apparently uh, the the media love love child or something at the moment. Um, they can do no wrong. Their fans throw flares on the pitch and they don't get any kind of uh, any any reprimands whatsoever. Um, they get pitch invasions and no one says anything. Their fans are basically throwing stuff at opposition fans and no one's saying anything. Setting off flares and fireworks outside of people's hotels and, yeah. oh, it's just it's just got good fun and games and it's just for a laugh. Um, yeah, for me, like, they, they've done so much that just I want them to go down. I, I just want them out of the league. Um, and the fact that no matter what happens, the media are always defending them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, just, I can't bother with that anymore. Now, there is one person who we haven't really mentioned uh, in this because he's been making bit parts of uh, appearances and one of them had a little hissy fit when he got resubbed uh, on the Brentford game. That's uh, our good friend Aaron Gordon, as um, Keegan keeps calling him. Now, if he was to come on, because I don't think he's going to start this game. I think maybe a bit too big of an occasion for him to come on. If he was to come on, score what could effectively be the winner, and he shushes uh, the Everton fans, now that would probably be moment of the season for everybody out there, you reckon? That, to me, that would just be absolutely amazing for him. Given the, given the amount of stick that he's got since the move, um, even before the move, um, given how much everyone's been doubting him, like for him to come on and score, like if he scores the winner, um, but even if he just comes on and, and puts one in the back of the net just to kind of seal the game off, yeah, that's just going to be priceless. Um, the, the reaction uh, from the Everton fans, I think, will be worth that goal alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, he's obviously going to get booed massively when he comes on the pitch. Um, and, you know, yeah, okay, look maybe starting him takes him out of the firing line a little bit, but it doesn't matter. I mean, every time he touches the ball, the fans are going to boo him. He's going to know what sort of an occasion this is. This is probably one of those games where you'd probably not put him on if you could, um, just to kind of say, look, don't deal with it. Yeah, And and he he, he does need to grow up a little bit, as we've discussed lately with his little petulant spat when he when he got subbed and he's had a few like interviews and stuff where he he maybe hasn't painted himself in the best light um that he that he could have since he's moved yeah but you know he's young he's 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 impetuous he wants to wants to play he's, he's got he's got some fire in him so look for me yeah get him on get him get him a goal and 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 watch the fireworks unfold uh, i just want him to stand there in front of the everton fan just go <laughs> oh, oh look at the whole 
fingers uh, and ears no. celebration. I, I don't think he will. Um, I'd be very surprised if he does. I mean, he is an Everton fan by all accounts. And, yeah. you know, I, I don't think he's wanting them to go down, um, obviously. So, but it just got too much for him there. Uh, I think it'll be great for him to score, just just to silence some of the critics um, or at least get like, you know, you have a good game when he comes on, get an assist maybe even um, just to kind of like prove prove a point that, you know, he has got a bit more to his game than what everyone's giving him credit for. Well, there's certainly no love loss between the, the player and the club because uh, no. the split between was far from amicable and that little statement that Everton put out uh, when they announced his departure. Can't remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't exactly a case of um, fun farewell, you yeah. know, you've been a, a fan since uh, childhood, that type of thing. It was basically a case of, okay, piss off we're washing your hands of you type thing so yeah. he's got to feel a little bit angst against that and i hope he does try and prove them wrong he again gets goal gets insist even if he just puts in a decent shift and you know he gets the odd tackle yeah. in he gets uh the crowd going off her feet uh our fans anyway and he then goes around and applauds the away fans because again i think yeah. there'll be a lot of angry everton fans there seeing him in a, a black and white shirt i mean why wouldn't yeah. you he's again he's i mean hope, hopefully the, the... The, the big thing is just he needs to keep his head, doesn't he? Um, you know, he does. The, he does. Let, let's not get a red card because he's, he's he's flying into tackles or anything. Now, one other thing I just want to talk about before we go into where uh, the last slide is where has this potential rivalry between the two clubs come from over the last few years? Because it's never really been anything, has it? It's kind of like the same with Aston Villa. Yeah, it's the Villa, it's the Villa and Everton rivalries that seem to either be the the Villa one definitely stems from the sob on the tine thing when I, we got relegated. That 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 is purely and simply where that one comes from. There is a little bit of the Villa rivalry coming off the back of them feeling that they need to prove that they're a bigger club than us. We're kind of well, we're a bigger club than you. You get, don't get the crowds. Blah 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 blah. Like you know, look. Let's let's be honest. There is a bit of a rivalry there, and I see where that one's coming from. The Everton one, I just don't get at all. It's like there's yeah. there's literally no history between the clubs. There's literally no reason why there's this this argy bargy between them, other than either pure jealousy or um or, or like the that the media have been hyping things up because they're so desperate to have to have a rivalry for uh, for sales and what have you because we were down down with them we we were fighting relegation and we were we were mm -hmm. one of those clubs in and around them um season on season um for the last few years and now we've kind of like skipped out of that further up the table we've got bigger fish to fry so to speak and you know but but yeah i just i just don't get why it's such a big a big thing uh i mean obviously pickford is is going to be that 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 driving force, I think, for the for the Newcastle fans, and it's certainly a catalyst, anyway, isn't it? It really yeah, is. Yeah, uh, definitely on that one. Um, let's hope uh, he forgets his gloves or anything in this one, because there's nothing I love better than seeing Pickford crying close to tears. Yeah. I remember the game. I think it was in uh, the COVID season when uh, we beat them two one at Goodison. I think it was Callum Wilson's debut season for us. Uh, he scores two, and there's just that famous picture of uh, Pickford. Uh, looking back towards a goal as the ball's heading for that bottom corner and he just knows he'd been beaten all down. And the fact of who the opposition were, it was just it brought tears of joy to my eyes and yeah. uh, tears of hate to his. It was absolutely glorious. But got one more slide to go through. Then uh, we're going to go through uh, predictions and anything else that we feel like we should cover. So uh, this one right here, it's a new little thing that we've got. Uh, because we are an Australian-based uh, Newcastle podcast, this is ever so neatly called 
home and away. Yes, and things will get better each day. And I'm sorry I got that pun in there. Um, so this is basically Everton's home form versus our away form. So I'm going to start uh, at the top and read them across. So both teams have played 16 games, Everton 16 home, we played 16 away. So Everton have won five, drawn three, lost eight. We won seven, drawn six, lost three. So their away form is exactly indicative as to where they are on the table. Would you agree, Mark? Yeah, pretty much. You can't lose that many games, especially at home. Um, your, your home's got to be your fortress, and it it definitely has been for us this season. And yeah, there's there's has not been been up to par. Well, when you look, they've got uh, if my maths is correct, that's eighteen points from sixteen games, and we've got what's that twenty seven points from sixteen games. Again, if my maths is correct, uh, was never my strong point at school. So our away form is superb. It's one of the best in the league, I believe. Uh, I think we are in uh, the top four uh, teams for away form on that one. Now, going on to goals scored and conceded. So, Everton have scored 14 goals at home and conceded 20. So, that's less than one goal per game, uh, which, again, is shocking. Again, it's the reason why they are down where they are. We've scored 25 and conceded 15. Are you surprised at the amount of goals we've conceded away from home? Um, not not really, because usually when you're away from home, you'd probably try and, and be a little bit more defensive. And I don't think Eddie Howe knows how at the moment. Um, for, for a manager, I mean, look, we've, we've got a terrific like record and, you know, we're conceding less than a goal a game. So it's still a pretty, pretty good record. Um, given that three of those came against Villa, um, you know, two of them came against Liverpool. You take those out. That's ten get ten goals in in fourteen games we've conceded. This pretty good record. Um, and you know, look, okay, you can probably say look, five of those that have, we've scored came against West Ham as well. <laughs> so uh, yeah. it, it's all swings and roundabouts, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. Uh, now <laughs> discipline now. So Everton have received thirty three yellow cards at Goodison this season, and just the one red. We've had twenty eight yellow cards and zero red. Now discipline at home as well should be a major thing. You should never get that many yellow cards at this stage of the season, especially at home. And all that's going to lead to is suspension at a very important part of the season. And they've just got uh, Decora coming back from that said thing there. Now, either that shows that they are disciplined in getting the first tackling and not getting in on the second because they've only had the red card, or they're a little bit reckless in the challenges. Which way are you angling towards that one, Mark? I think it actually comes down to to amount of possession that you have. If you're having a lot of possession in the game, then you're not chasing the ball, um, so you're less likely to be giving away needless cards. I mean, we we give cards away because we're um, exuberant at, at chasing the ball down. I guess you would say. <laughs> um, and and look, we've we've had games where we we've, we've had less than the the fifty percent possession. But if if Everton are really conceding a lot of possession, um, and then you know, forcing the hand a little bit, then that maybe explains it. But you you would expect them to be a little bit more disciplined than that at home. Um, just just because, yeah, you, you're not wanting to kind of put yourself on the back foot with suspensions, with having to kind of walk that tightrope late in the game where you know you you know, you know the, your defender's got a yellow card already and can't make that that saving tackle because you might get a, a second yellow or something. Yeah, it's. I think home form is where you've got to be the most disciplined of anything because, again, you've got to make that the fortress. Now, goals scored. 
71% of Everton's, Everton's goals, which uh, equates to 10, have come from open play. Uh, our, for exactly the same open play form, we 68% of ours, 17 goals, that is, have come from open play too. That, to me, speaks volumes of who plays the better attractive football. But again, on paper, that's obvious to see. Um, oh, look, I mean, we, we've we've scored more goals. I, I, I'm surprised that we haven't had more goals from open play because we, we're awful at taking corners. <laughs> Um, given how given how tall our side is, I'm I'm really yeah. surprised we don't score more headed goals and and more corners and set pieces. Um, but you know, you know, if you if you're taking into account some of the penalties that we've had, some of the um, some of the crosses, some of the free kicks and stuff from Trippier, then yeah, it kind of makes makes a bit of sense. Yeah. Now that actually angles quite nicely into where the next one, which is Everton have only conceded two goals from set pieces in 16 games this season. You touched on our inability to score from set pieces. I'd imagine this is something that you're not going to be looking for in terms of creativity uh, at this game at all, Mark? I wouldn't have thought so. Um, it, it's more, To be honest, what, what frustrates me more isn't just this, the fact that we can't score from set pieces. It's the fact that we get so many of them and can't score. You know, there's been games where we've been double figures of, of corners and haven't managed to score one goal from a corner. Um, surely, like, just out of the, you know, realms of someone's had a ball can, like, ricochet off their ass or something, you end up with one goal going in. But, yeah. Um, so, yes, no, I, I am not hopeful of, of a set-piece goal, um, although I am hopeful that we can actually start to concede less from set-pieces as well. Yeah, Which early in the uh, season we, was was fine, but seems to be a seems to be an issue of late. It does, and again, we've actually conceded twice as many goals from set pieces uh, away from home as what Everton have at home. So maybe a little bit of a cause for concern. But when you've only conceded fifteen as opposed to uh, their twenty, again, percentages wise, it works out uh, fairly similar, I suppose. And then possession, Everton have got an average of 44.8% uh, possession at home, whereas we marginally tip in the scales at 50.1% possession away from home. Um, considering we like to kick the ball out of play and waste time, and we are the ultimate shithouses of the league, the fact we just have over the higher percentage of that kind of uh, sticks two fingers up at that one, don't you think? Well, I think the first 21 minutes of the Spurs game sticks two <laughs> fingers up at that one. Uh... Look, I, I've, I've, I've said before. Yeah, okay. Look, every club does that. I think we're being singled out for it because of where we are on the table, and we're kind of raining on a lot of people's parade, and everyone's looking for excuses as to why we are where we are. And it, it's not because we're playing good football; it's because we're shit housing our way to the top, and we're playing bad football, and you know we're time wasting, blah blah blah. Every single club wastes time if they need to to win a bloody football game. It's it's, it's what yeah. you do. Um, I mean, look at Leeds when they came to St James's Park. I mean, that was that was awful. They they literally just parked the bus for the entire game, wasted time, fell over at the first opportunity they could. Um, you know, it happens. But, you know, at the moment, um, you know, we're, we're actually doing well in terms of retaining the ball. We're having possession. We're looking to get on the front foot when we're dominating games. And if we're not dominating games, then we like we sit back and try and soak up pressure and and see the clock out. This is it's what it's what clubs do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at every club, if they're in a winning position, take the ball to the corner flag. Every single club, 
it's just something that happens in football. That is the definition of time wasting right there, in my opinion, and in probably else, everybody else's as well. Yeah. So what are you going to boot it out for a throw-in or anything like that? Or are you just going to maybe a slow back pass to the keeper? Whatever it's going to be, it's all effectively the same thing. We're all guilty of it. Some just do it a bit more than others. Um, but we'll get rid of that one right there. But I think those stats there are pretty damning for both sides. Everton's are pretty much piss poor apart from the goals conceded from set pieces and ours again are very reflective of where we should be in the table as opposed to Evan. so okay. get rid of that one there another more big thing prediction will some bloke from stop oil or whatever it was called come onto the pitch on the 63rd minute and cable tie himself to the goal again if he does i just want joe linton to kick the ball right at his head <laughs> Put uh, Murphy on target practice. You know he's uh, <laughs> he's good at hitting the post. Same uh, that he's uh, found the net and the last two, so you, yeah. you probably miss him anyway. <laughs> but uh, now nah, uh, a bit serious. And your overall prediction for this game, and I'll even get a first goal score off. There's a bit of a change. I'm going to go two nil, and I am going to go Joe Linton. Nice one. Uh, he's on. I'm he's on go... fire. He's on fire nice. at the moment. So yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go. 3-1. I can't say we keep a clean sheet. I just don't know why. We just can't seem to keep clean sheets recently. I want to say 3-1 in Isak uh, with the first goal because I think he will start ahead of Wilson again. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think you'll start. Yeah, perfect. So that pretty much wraps it up for uh, this Everton preview. Uh, if you have any questions for us, uh, put them in the comments down below. If you like what we have done, please give this video a thumbs up. Subscribe if you haven't already. If you are listening on the audio side of things, five-star reviews and comments or questions are always welcome on that too. Again, give me and Mark a follow on our new Twitter handles. You will see them on screen. Uh, if not, again, mine is ToonLad85. And then we've got Scotty Talks Toon. Scotty with a Y, that is. Uh, Elon Musk is a bit of a dick for uh, suspending <laughs> our accounts. Um, but I think the world knew that already. But again, thanks everyone for watching. Thanks for everyone who's been listening. Uh, I've been Craig, Mark. Thanks very much for joining me. No problem. Enjoyed that. Thank you. And uh, thanks for everyone for listening and watching. Yep. We will see you on the next one, which will be a review of said game. That should be out uh, Friday night for us. Or Friday night, yep. Friday night. So it'll be Friday morning for everyone in the UK uh, or wherever you are watching the world. Again, thanks, Mark. And we will see everyone on the next one. No worries. Take it easy, mate. Cheers, mate.